Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Hi, my name is Jim Putman. I'm the senior pastor at Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho. And uh, for many of you there in Pullman, you may not know this, but Real Life is uh, a bit in partnership with uh, Moscow and Pullman uh, the last several years. Uh, Thad DeBurr was a part of a small group I got to lead years ago and came on staff here. And and uh, I have to tell you, I am so proud of him. I'm so proud of the elders there. Um, I'm so grateful for the partnership with Solomon Foundation, who's uh, helping to buy the building. And um, God has done such an amazing work there in spite of all kinds of ups and downs, COVID, uh, you name it. And we here at Real Life Ministries just want you to know how much we love you. We appreciate the partnership with you, the investment that some of you have had in my life and the life of our church. And, and so I just want to tell you, we're celebrating with you. We look forward to the future. We look forward to the partnership we have uh, continuing as we, we work together and, and plant churches together and all those kinds of things. So uh, we love you. We're cheering for you. Congratulations. Your opening weekend at the Real Life Church in Pullman, Washington. Hello, Real Life family. Congratulations on your new building. You know, when we started Real Life back in 2007, we wanted it to be a church where people who could come from all walks of life, questioning their faith, their questions about God, and find a place where they could be loved, connected, and grow in discipleship and and in relationships with each other and in relationship with, most importantly, with God. And I continue to hear the stories of how you guys are making that happen all the time. And I'm so proud of you. Well done, keeping with the mission that God has set forth in scripture. And, and as you move into this new building and it gets uh, becomes a place of healing and freedom for so many, may you continue to be a church family that gives people space to find Jesus for who he really is. And may you be a people who love on them well. Well done, real life. I'm so proud of you. Sweet. Super cool, super cool. For those of you that uh, don't know, you'll hear a little bit more about who those guys are uh, as part of the time this morning. Hey, Ed, before we jump in, I just want to say a huge shout out and thank you to the volunteers and the staff. It has been a whirlwind these last months and especially these last weeks. I mean, there was people that here tell the wee hours of the morning, like just pulling everything together. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Um, kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, putting a, all the finishing touches. It felt a little bit like watching one of those extreme home makeover shows where they always come down to the wire and there's a commercial and then somehow it looks awesome at the end. Like that was what the team has been doing. And so huge shout out. I just, I just want to say I pre- appreciate our volunteers, appreciate the team, everybody that's pitched in so much has been a, a huge, uh, really really awesome thing. And what's really cool is like, it it, just warms my heart to walk around and see all of you pitching in. There's been so many of you in the last weeks and months that have pitched in down here and to just sort of see the family rally together and make this uh, a possibility that we're even in this space and it's working the way it's working. So good job. Good job. Hey, 
This morning, we're going to do what believers have been doing for literally thousands of years. We're going to pause as a church, as a family, and we're going to look back. We're going to take some time to remember. And remembering is something that uh, God has instructed his people to do throughout history, to stop at uh, certain times and remember key events in their history. Um, in the Bible, we know them uh, often uh, as the feasts, and those feasts would mark specific events and times in the history of God's people, and those feasts would lead God's people to remember how God brought them through situations and circumstances. And those feasts, as you learn about them, are multi-layered and rich with significance, and each one of those points forward to the saving work of Jesus as you dig in and see what is actually being celebrated there. And many of you also know that the purpose of those feasts is to give God's people an opportunity to pause and reflect on how God has been involved in their journey, how God has carried them along the way. And it it gives them a, a tangible way to stop together as a family and remember God. And that's really what today is going to be for us as a church, as a family. This is a a tangible way for us to kind of pause and remember how we got here, remember where we came from. And I think one of the things is that it's really important as we think about starting and where we came from that we go back to the beginning And I I think one of the stories that helps me remember the significance and the importance of going back to the start is the book of Deuteronomy. So the book of Deuteronomy is essentially Moses retelling God's people their story. And they get to uh, the end of their time in the wilderness and the desert. They're about to go into the promised land. And God instructs uh, Moses to tell the story again to the people that had just lived it. And you might think, well, why is that so important? Weren't they the ones that were in the story? And there's something unique about looking back and remembering where we came from. And, and so when you think about it, those people in the desert, they could have easily thought that their story was a desert story, that their story was a story about like just scratching out a living in these really dry, arid, harsh lands, difficult stuff, not an easy life depending on God, trusting God. But one of the things that Moses did did is he began and, and reminded them that their story started long before that. Their story started all the way back on a mountain, long before their time in the desert. And I, I want to look at the opening of Deuteronomy because I think it really will help bridge us to where we started. Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses starts off by telling them, he says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to the neighboring regions, uh, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, the coastal plain. Go to the lands of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, Uh, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For this is the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. And so Moses reminded all of God's people before they went into the promised land that their story wasn't a desert story. Their story started on a mountaintop. And it was in that place, on that mountain, that they first heard that command to go, to go and take ground for the kingdom. And 
probably a lot of you don't realize that our story as a church started a long time ago. It didn't start even just back at Daggy Hall. Some of you joined us there as we were uh, there and, and didn't maybe know some of the rest of the story. Some of you may not know that our story didn't start even at the, the long time that we were at the Schweitzer Event Center for years, eight or nine years up there. Even long before that, our story started. Our story started actually close to 25 years ago in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and not in the way that a lot of people would expect about a church story to start. It, it, it wasn't like there was a trained missionary that had come to town and was eager to start churches. It wasn't like there was a church planter or a team that was going to plant and start churches with resources and tools and know-how. It was actually a lot less formal than that. It was really actually pretty simple. It, it began with four people, just two couples, who uh, felt like God was calling them to maybe pray, maybe look, maybe seek. They honestly didn't know really what God was up to in the beginning, but they knew that there was this element of praying. They were doing what a lot of us do. They were in church, they loved God, they were engaged, they cared about their community, and they were praying and asking God for direction, like probably lots of us in this room have done many times. And God answered them and started to give them direction and started to put a burden on their heart to really sink their teeth in and pray. And so these two couples committed to get together and start praying every week. And in the beginning, they weren't even sure what they were praying for. Are they praying about a church? Are they praying for other churches? Are they praying for pastors? Like, what was the deal? And they didn't really know. And in time, they felt like God really gave them this call to go, not to far off lands, but to churches around the area. And so they started going to churches in Coeur d'Alene and Post Falls and Hayden and Spokane and the Valley and everywhere in between. And they went to all these churches, sometimes multiple churches in a day. And then they would rally back together and they would sit down and they would pray. And they would ask God to just show them what they're supposed to know. Say, lead us. And as they prayed, Early on, one of those couples really sensed that God was leading them to pray about starting a church, to be the support, to be the behind-the-scenes people for a church. And the other couple, ironically, almost felt exactly the opposite. If there was anything they were going to be involved in, it was not starting a church. And, and God does these things and draws these two people together and starts knitting their families together and their commitment and resolve to, to stay faithful and visit and listen and pray just stayed true. And so they just kept meeting and praying week after week, visiting churches week after week, and not for just a little while, but well on almost a year. And something started to take shape as they were going to these churches. God started to kind of show them a dream. It, what they started to see was that the churches that they were going to, there was many that were awesome churches, great places, good people, awesome stuff, but they kept coming away with this sense that there are a lot of churches for church people. And they began to have a dream stir about what would it be like if there was a church for people that didn't know Jesus, 
for people that were lost and seeking and looking. And, and what would a church even look like where people that were lost and didn't know Jesus could come and not be ignored or judged or, or set aside or felt weird, but they could be invited and encouraged and, and welcomed and, and they could be met with patient people that would walk with them for a long time if it took it to help them get to know who God is. They, they, they started to dream about what that might look like, and it started to really shape and direct their prayers. And so in time, they started to really lean in and pray very specifically about what would it look like to have that kind of church. And, and well into their time praying together, they came across, uh, by God's help, two young pastors who were passionate and excited and fired up about reaching the lost and making disciples and ready to take on the world. A couple of young guys working in youth ministry who had never led a church. Those two old guys on the video, they were a lot younger then when they first met them. Jim Putman and Aaron Couch. And together... They began to do something with God's help and by God's grace that has gone a way that none of them would have ever imagined in all the right ways. It's been, gosh, now almost 25 years later, and that little band of of people that prayed and got, got, you know, gathered together has grown immensely. And they've now, excuse me, they've now helped play a part in raising up investing in and discipling the pastors that are now leading over 13 different real life churches, which is pretty amazing. Now, here's what, it just gets better and better because not only are there these different churches, those churches, many of them have multiple campuses. Many of those churches have now planted churches who have planted churches. What's fantastic is there are now literally hundreds and hundreds of people who have had the opportunity to pursue their calling to go into ministry full time, like to to chase a career as a, a pastor to work in ministry as their job, to like go all in. There have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men and women who have had the opportunity and a place to do that because there were churches to work in. Even more exciting than that, there are literally tens and tens of thousands of people who have been reached with the gospel, who have been invited into these churches, who have been uh, discipled and encouraged and walked with through some of the hardest things in their life and have been uh, raised up and matured and, and learned how to make disciples and then gone out and have started to do it with their friends. As we sit here this morning in Pullman and celebrating this awesome day, what's really cool, there's like 20,000 people at a real life church today. It's hard to believe. They never had that in mind when they sat down to pray after church. Just some regular people Those four people in the beginning, they weren't church experts. They weren't church planters. One was an electrician. One worked for a forestry department. One worked part-time at a vet clinic. Another one was a stay-at-home mom uh, doing a daycare out of their house. They're just a bunch of regular people that just trusted God and listened, leaned in, and prayed. And here's what's really cool is the fruit of that is amazing. The the Moscow and Pullman real-life churches are here very much in part because Aaron, who was a part of that 
at the very beginning just stayed faithful to keep listening to God. Life was good in Post Falls, right? Aaron was in Post Falls. Things were going good. Their ministry was awesome. I remember when this house they had built, they were super stoked about being there. It was a really cool house. Life was good. Their kids were good. Things were great. And he could have easily stayed there. But, But Aaron knew something and stuck with it that I think a lot of us in this room know. And I hope we never forget is that listening to God and trusting his lead trumps good every time. We're here because God was talking to Aaron and it trumped all the comfortable stuff and all the cool opportunities and he stuck his neck out to go yet again somewhere where you might not have a paycheck and who knows what's going to happen when you get here. And so he and Kelly and Michael and Rosemary and others that were a part of that team in the very beginning came down here and started Real Life on the Palouse. One of the things that Aaron was also passionate about, not only, of course, reaching the lost, but something that he really brought to the table along with that kind of core team is that not only did he want the lost to be reached, but he was passionate about making sure that the gospel they heard, that the good news that people heard was good. And it it weaved into the DNA of our church and our community, this idea that when we talk about the good news, we make sure that people know that the good news starts with a good God who made a good creation. And when he made people in his image, he looked at them and he said they were very good. And it became a place where people could trust and depend that they were going to hear about a good God that loves them by people who had embraced this idea that God actually had made them good. And he's inviting them into a process to be restored and redeemed and raised up and grown up to help other people know that their good God sees them as good and redeemable and worthy. And that's been a huge part of the story here. And so all along, all these people began to come. But even before the very first church service down here, uh, Aaron's parents, uh, uh, Charlie and Eileen, who are amazing, they were driving all the way down here from Post Falls, started the very first home group, even before there was a church. And they met with uh, Roger and Marilyn Miller. And in their house, they started a home group. Marilyn, many of you know, serves on the worship team. You see her up here a lot playing keyboard. Uh, Roger became one of the founding elders. And what's cool is both of them all along have served faithfully in those roles. They're still doing it today. <clears throat> the other thing that's, that's really cool is just to watch how God brought just awesome godly men around Aaron to help fill out the eldership. Steve and Edie Mater were a part of the eldership in the beginning. Steve was an elder, and they supported this church plant for a long time and poured in and invested and used their influence and support to care about this church in the early days. And just yesterday, I heard from Steve, and he's fired up about what's going on here. They're, they're worshiping somewhere else, but they're very much Team Jesus, and they're very much on board with us as a church and what's going on here and couldn't be more excited for us. He'd be here, but they were out of town. They're fired up about what's going on here. Scott Berry was one of the founding elders, and he and his wife, Lori, have been involved in ministry and and, uh, a part of the worship team and home groups and serving, and they're still here, a part of this service. Uh, in first service, they were in here and they're still serving and a part of the community here, and it's amazing. And, And God just kept bringing people 
to grow that family, to grow that team. And they just kept praying and, the, and just asking God, like, show us where you're at work. How do we join you? What are you up to? But also, who are you working in? Who should we go to? And God did. God did that in so many ways. There were so many things that have happened here over the years on the Palouse. There's been serve events. There have been church camps, kids camps, youth camps, VBSs. There's been worship nights, prayer nights. There has been corn mazes, you name it. If there is a way to connect people to each other so that we can build a relationship with them long enough to help them hear the gospel, they've tried it. Anything and everything to help people connect to, the, to each other and then help those people connect to God. They've tried all kinds of amazing things and God has been so faithful in drawing people here for all sorts of reasons. One of the things that, that happens a lot as you organize as a church and you start to kind of put your flag in the ground that you're a, a place of good news and hope and peace is that people feel safe to come for things that have nothing to do with God. They come because they're like, maybe these people could help me because I'm desperate and I don't know how I'm going to pay the electric bill next month because I got no food in my pantry. I can't feed my kids. And so over the years, a lot of people came for real practical stuff, not really interested in God up front, but interested in help. And you know what they were met with? They were met with people that were interested in helping them. They were met with people that loved them and were patient with them and did what we could to help them and fed them and paid bills. And I mean, I, I remember meeting with one of the Avista guys and he was saying like, uh, we're essentially one of the top customers in the county. Like we pay a lot, we pitch in for a lot of Avista to help people. And, and out of that was born people that that built teams and dreamed up ministries and there's benevolence teams and there's real needs teams and all kinds of amazing opportunities and ways for people to serve other people and connect with other people. And, and, and the other thing is, is, is people started to come for things that were much more close to home, much more raw and personal. Like people started coming and asking for help because they were on their last leg with their kid and they were at their wits end with their family. They didn't know what to do next. People showed up when their marriages were broken and they had no hope that there was ever going to be a way it could ever get any better. They would walk into this place and, and to Moscow and, and ask for help really with like a grain of sand of hope that it could actually make a difference. Many of you know Kermit and Jolene as, that are a part of our church. That's where they were when they came. They'd be with us today. They went to the west side and they're doing grandma and grandpa duty and super excited to go do it. But when they came here, they were broken. They were separated. Their life was a mess. It was difficult and hard and they didn't know if they were going to make it. They came here hoping that somebody could possibly, by some miracle, do something they had no idea how could ever happen. And they met Charlie. And they met Aaron and lots of other people that spoke into their life, that were patient with them, that loved them, that poured into them with time and time and time and love. And they learned that this is a place where people stick with you, where even if you want to get rid of them, it's not that easy. Kermit will tell you stories. He tried a few times. You can't shake Charlie, right? He was with them and they were with them and they walked with them and over time they began to heal. 
and not only healed, but they, they began to be more than restored, but rebuilt more strong and more in love with deeper roots with God than they'd ever had in their life, with deeper roots in their marriage and their love and trust and commitment for each other than they'd ever had before because people stuck with them and people walked with them and they kept leaning in and asking God for help all the way through. And what's amazing is God started to do something in their story and in their life that, that it's the kind of thing that when you're in your low spots, you never think it could happen. When things are terrible, you're like, there's just no way God would ever use me in this way. But God started to do something on the other side of their journey. God started to bring messed up, broken people with no hope to their living room. And Kermit and Jolene have had, I can't even tell you how many people through their house who had no hope, who thought that their marriage was over, who didn't know if they were going to make it, who didn't even know if they liked each other. Some flat out hated each other. They got some funny stories about breaking up a fist fight at their own house. I mean, they've done it. You know what's cool? They're still doing it. The door's still open. If you're sitting in here today and you're you're elbowing like, that's kind of where we're at. I don't know if I really like you that much. You're invited to Kermit and Jolene's house. I'll give you directions, right? But other people came looking for other things too. People came looking for a community. People came looking for family like uh, Mike and Brenda Kane. A lot of you know them. And, and, and Michael and Brenda came to Pullman originally to plant uh, like a, a campus ministry, to do college ministry. And they came down here and they poured into it and they sunk their teeth into it and they loved what they were doing. But they got tired fast and wore out and unsupported and alone. And I remember Mike telling me about long before my time when he first started coming to real life, one of the things that he found was family. He was like, I had no idea how hard it was doing ministry by myself. And then I found this church and I found a family and it's never been the same since. And if you can, if you know, Mike, I can hear his voice in my head. Like I could just hear him. He's like, oh man, it was awesome. It was so awesome. Right? Like he just has this big bellowing voice that just makes you smile. And if you're within like five feet, you're getting a hug. Right? And it's always going to be one of those hugs that's just a little too long. Because he loves you, and he just can't let go, right? Mike actually became one of our founding elders when we started the church here in Pullman before he passed away this last year. I can tell you, Mike would have loved to be here to see you guys. He would have been smiling from ear to ear. And there's another guy who really wanted to be here. I mean, wanted to be here bad, for this moment for us as a church. That's Joe Watson. I think a lot of you probably know Joe and Sue have been a part of the church for a really long time. They've been a part of the Christian community in Pullman for uh, forever. Um, and Joe wanted a building for us in Pullman so bad. He was always on the hunt. He was always out looking, networking, looking at every piece of real estate, every property, asking anybody that owned anything if there was any place that people could meet as a church. Like he, he would come in at least like once a week with some, you know, harebrained idea about where we could do church right? And talking about having his nail bags ready and his table saw fired up. And when he's just like, put me in coach, when do we get to start building, right? Like he would have been so excited to see this because man, was that guy faithful and man, did he pray for this, for us. 
And here's the cool part is along the way, God kept bringing more and more people and thankfully more and more people with some skills and some experience and some ministry experience and counseling experience and teaching experience. People like Marty who have had a huge influence in our church investing and teaching and and pouring into people to help us learn and know God's word. Um, People like Derek uh, and Derek's here today with us and and him and his family spent time and poured into people here and helped us build the church. Alex and Carissa and Rachel and, and Tom and Claudia came on as elders later and Josh and Carrie and and Brent and Maggie and and the Inmans and on and on and on right like it's it's literally impossible to go through all of the names of the people that have poured into this church and this family and supported what was going on here to 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 play the part in who we are and where we're at but here we are we get to 2019 Things are rolling. Church is happening. Uh, Aaron is still listening to God. I I doubt he stopped. And he was listening to God, and God was drawing him to uh, a new adventure. And so Josh and I, uh, Josh pastors the church in Moscow, we started the process of branching the two churches into two independent churches and raising up elders, something that all of our elders, all of our team, we were all on board with and, and lined up about. And we started that process and went through those things. And so then in, in uh, March of 2020, what everybody else in the world knows as the time that that terrible thing started, I'll forever remember, all of us will forever remember March of 2020 for something way more cool. That's when this church started. That's when Pullman launched as an independent church. And so in March of 2020, we became our own independent church. Moscow became their own independent church. And so we kicked off COVID with a bang, right? Like, uh, and went for it. Now, here's the thing. We're still really getting tired of being homeless. People longer than I've been here have been moving chairs and moving boxes and moving people and you name it. And it gets a little old after 10 plus years of moving stuff, right? It wears you out. But here we are, this brand new organization in 2020 with, uh, we're a brand new nonprofit. We're a ch- it's a weird thing. We're a church that's been around a long time, but we're new on paper, I don't know if you've ever tried to get a job for like a month and then go buy a house. Not a lot of banks are real keen on that, right? They're like, yeah, cool. Maybe go work some more, right? And that's where we found ourselves. It's like, well, what if something came up? What if there even was something that we could afford? How would we even possibly even have that as an option? Here's what's cool. I'm just so glad that God is so much bigger than real estate, so much bigger than credit bureaus and banks and all that stuff. And God just kept bringing us faithful people that listen to God. People like the Harwoods. They've been here for a long time. And when they came here, it was the way that the staff and the volunteers treated their kids and loved their kids that really made an impact on them. And when they saw people that wanted for their kids what they wanted, They met people that wanted their kids to know God, that wanted their kids to learn how to to trust and follow Jesus. And it was like, man, this is the place that we want to be because there's people here that want what we want for our kids. They've been all in ever since. And, And when a lot of us, to be real transparent, when a lot of us on the team, elders, core people talked about, could we get a building at some point in Pullman? Uh, There was more skepticism and doubt than hope. 
It was like, Pullman's a tough place to find something to buy. And we had brand new on paper credit history. Like, how's that ever going to happen? Here's what's cool. Thankfully, Terry was listening to God. God was talking to him, and he was paying attention. And a big part of why we're here is because there's people in our church like Terry that listen to the Lord, and God's still speaking to. And so I I just want to let him share a little bit of the story about how we landed here. It's a pretty amazing story. I kept driving by this building and for some reason I kept looking over and I was not sure why I kept looking over but um, I found myself driving through the parking lot counting parking spaces and I found myself looking in the front window and there wasn't anything in here it was bare nothing and and then I would find myself two days later driving through the parking lot counting parking spaces again I don't know why. I knew the person that owned it. I called him directly and asked him if I could meet him uh, down here. And so he agreed, and he agreed to meet me that day. And so I went in and I said to Thad, hey, uh, I'm going to meet Michael Weiss at this building, and I just want to go by myself. And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I came down walked in the door with him and I stood in about the exact same spot that I'm sitting here right now Michael says so what are you thinking and I I couldn't answer it I I I didn't know I just felt like God was asking me to make contact with him and and talk with him and so he started talking and when he started talking, he kind of shared some things that he uh, was interested in. He had opportunities to sell this building. We talked about what the asking price was, and he offered it at a huge discounted price from the asking price. So we happened to have an elders meeting that night, and that was the conversation is we've got an opportunity possibly here. Here's what's already happened, which could be God working. Um, but we really need to pray and, and seek God in it. So that's what they did for a month. And they, uh, the elder board, uh, never asked me any questions about can we afford it. In that month waiting that we were praying, Mr. Crozier from Solomon Foundation, they deal only with churches trying to purchase buildings and getting set up, uh, was passing through the area. He took a look at it and and you know he's had lots of experience in helping churches find buildings and build them and so gave us some good things to think about so we ended up uh, moving forward with what some of the recommendations that he had um, which again was substantially less than what Michael Weiss said originally like almost insulting uh, in my opinion what we were able to to pay for the building and so we ended up meeting Michael again made a formal offer Uh, we just left it in God's hands and he was extremely generous Uh, extremely generous that's kind of the story of our God right extremely generous um I've shared this at different times with people, but it's hard to give people a reference for 
how kind of miraculous the intervention and help of God was, but this place was empty. You'll see videos out there in the lobby of the whole building process. This was 100%. Cement walls, empty ceiling, nothing in here. Everything you see in here is bought and new and built. Everything, 100%. All of this, the entire thing from bumper to bumper, front to back, is done, bought, and we're all in for just barely more than what the thing was listed for, empty. It's amazing, amazing. It's, it's the kind of thing that only God can do. It's the kind of thing that only God can do. And you see these names that are up on the screens, and and there's no way, we don't have time to go through all these names, but all of those names represent people that have a story, a story of where they were at, how they've been involved. Those are people that are a part of our church here in Pullman. In the years to come, I would anticipate there will be more and more and more names of people that you guys reach out to, that you impact, that that you get the opportunity to share the gospel with. Where the future is for us as a church is so, so cool. I'm really excited to talk with you about it. We've got a series coming up, and I just want to encourage you over these next weeks to just lock in and be a part of this next series that we're doing. We're going to talk about our mission, your mission personally, our mission as a church. And, and when it comes to what does our future look like, don't miss this next series. Don't miss this next five weeks. Let's lock in and, and really go on that trip together. Hey, we're going to finish with communion right now. And so I want you to go ahead and grab your communion cups and get those uh, ready. And one of the things that you'll know if you're a regular around here is we take communion as a church every week. And, and normally I would lead us through communion, but I got a little bit of a curveball for you this morning. You guys up for a curveball? Yeah, for a little uh, surprise. Do you remember the people I was telling you about at the beginning of this story, the, the regular people, the electrician and the forestry guy and the at-home daycare mom that were praying long before there was ever a real life and they didn't know what God was up to? They're going to come lead you through communion. Please welcome up uh, Jim and Lydia and Jeff, or Jeff, and Debbie and Jeff, sorry, Jeff is actually not here with us. He's sick, so they're going to jump up here and walk us through. We are thrilled to be here this morning and very humbled. It, it's one of those things when God picks an ordinary person, a broken ordinary person, and says, come over here, little girl, I got something for you. So I grew up on a farm outside of Grangeville in Cottonwood, Idaho, and um, came from non-believers. And God said, hey, I got a plan for you. And um, there were some neighbors that picked us up and took us to church, and um, I heard about this awesome, amazing guy who wanted to know me personally. And Jesus came in when I was 10, and it's been, a, it's been an amazing ride. Ended up getting to go to Bible college and came out and worked for a little church in Grangeville, and... Um, God gave me a heart for prayer, and he made me a woman of great faith, and my God can do anything. And so when he put it on our hearts to pray for um, a church plant, let's just say we're glad that we were ignorant and didn't know what it meant to be church planters. Um, And just, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, and he brought the right people, and he opened the right doors, and um, he just kept showing us what an awesome God he is. 
and that he put us in the right places at the right time. And I am excited for you guys because you're in the right place at the right time. It's not an accident you live next door to somebody who doesn't know Jesus or that you work with someone who hasn't found him yet or maybe um, you got a family member who doesn't know Jesus. I got a few of those. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you out there, but he wants to use you in here. And so I'm excited for what God's going to do here. So um, I'm going to hand this to my husband, and I'm going to help him. Let's see. Here you go. I get the opportunity to go through uh, with communion with you and make sure that you uh, get your bread ready for So I'm going to be reading in from 1 Corinthians. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake of the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. Uh, It's the new covenant in my blood. So whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake of the cup. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so very much for the opportunity to become part of your family. Lord, I thank you that you made a way that we could become part of your family by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for this uh, church here and the relationships that are going to be built here and the family that is being made here. Lord, you are our Father. We just thank you for everything that you've done for us. And I just ask, Lord, that you bless this place and the uh, souls that will be coming to this. Lord, again, thank you so very much for allowing us time to be in your presence. We give you all the praise and glory, and we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you so much for letting us be with you today. It's been uh, just an honor for us to hear the story of, of you all here And I do want to ask you, did you guys notice you got a key when you walked in? It was on your announcements. If you will, go ahead and grab that key. Just take a minute and grab that key. That little key is to help remind you that you have a key role in God's mission. We got to serve the Lord by being obedient in prayer. That was our key role that we got to fill, that we were a part of. And you guys, God has a key role for you. It's going to look different maybe than our role was, but it's legit. It's real. It's his story. He's invited you into his story, and he wants you to be obedient and to listen to that role that he has. Guys, it could be greeting. It could be being nice to someone who walks in that looks like they don't feel like they're likable. Maybe it is at home and you're praying and no one ever knows you've been praying. Maybe it's that card you're going to sit in the mail. And I don't know what your role is. I don't know what that key thing is. Maybe you're going to be one of the people up here. That was definitely not what we said we were going to do, right? But God does have a role for you. Please be praying and be obedient to that. Again, we're so thankful we got to be here with you today. I'm going to invite the worship team up again. They're going to close out and worship. But I just really want to pray for all of you for what God's doing with you here. God, thank you. Thank you for your love in our lives. Thank you how you use broken 
and ordinary people to love your people well. God, help us remember that it is your story that you've called us to be a part of, to be obedient, and to listen to your voice, and to love you well, and to love others. Again, we thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, my family right here. And we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.